Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And I am your host, Michael Sherlock. All month long in Artistic August, we are talking to people who are going to help us not only understand what they do and how they live and breathe in the world of art in their various ways, but also have some good reminders for us to slow down, you know, take some of those deep breaths. Remember Yoga Dog, he reminds us to not just breathe, but be really aware of what is around us. And my guest today is going to help us do this in a lot of ways. I'm so excited to talk to her. Um, and I think you will too, because I, I have a sneaking suspicion that she's going to talk to us about ways that we can uh, really release some things within ourselves to bring out our inner artist. So Mary Parter Kenyon is a program coordinator at Shalom Spirituality Center in Dubuque, Iowa. And I always uh, has stumble over the word Dubuque, but it also makes me want to sing a song, but I won't do that right now. She's the author of seven books, including the one that she uh, actually released, uh, oh, I don't know, kind of in the middle of a pandemic. But some of her books are included by Refined by Fire, A Journey of Grief and Grace, Expressive Writing for Healing. So those who are dealing with a lot of issues that have to do with loss and grief, I think that that sounds like a book that will really help people to be able to navigate that. And her latest called to be creative, which I think just the fact it was released in the middle of a pandemic probably called her to be just as created, creative. And she's a speaker and a workshop presenter in the topics of writing, grief, and utilizing your creativity in your everyday life. So Mary, it is such a pleasure to have you as my guest today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I love actually in the background too, it looks like a really old school typewriter back there. Oh, you've got, you looks like you've got a couple. You like typewriters. I, I do. Even though I started writing on an, an electric typewriter, I, I love those old typewriters. Yeah, me too. I actually, I was laughing with my mom. I went back to visit her a couple of weeks ago and I was laughing how like all my friends when I went to college were starting to get computers, you know, like those Apple IIe's and things. And my parents bought me an electric typewriter and I was like, really? That, that's what I got. But I actually loved it. Um, and, you know, and it was a great segue into learning how to use a computer. And for me, the physical nature of a keyboard that makes some sounds and has some clicks is really important. But it was a big step up from the one that I had before, which you really had to pound on it to get those keys going. <laughs> I love it. So tell us a little bit more about you and your business. And, you know, then we'll dive into a little bit more about, you know, what art means to you and how art has helped you to shock your own potential. But let's, let's learn a little bit more about you, Mary. So I am a program coordinator at a, a spirituality center. And what that means is I coordinate and facilitate programs on um, spirituality and its relation to ourselves and our creativity. And um, so there's all kinds of things in my work that are creative, but I've been a writer for 30 some years and that has been a constant in my life. I was a stay at home mom 
until 2012 when my husband passed away, a stay-at-home mom who did a lot of freelance writing and running home, various home businesses. So, mm-hmm. but it was quite a change. And I, I still can't believe that in the nine years since um, I have become what I would never would have imagined becoming, which is a public speaker, because I could barely string two sentences together to talk to the butcher or the mailman as a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom. So, so that has been part of my creativity is this loss that I experienced. And so that is one reason why I've written about loss and um, expressive writing for healing and the workshops I do are also related to grief, creativity, and the connection between how creativity can be healing for us. So that's, that's my life in a nutshell, except I do have to mention that I have eight children because that always boggles everybody's mind, but I didn't give birth to them all at once. It was over a period of 20 some years. So um, my youngest will turn 18 this summer. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And uh, as I was telling you the story before we started, and I was making comment about, you know, your your beautiful heater behind you, um, I grew up as the last of six kids. So, you know, we always had one of those, uh, you know, um, the uh, the heaters, you know, with all the, the mittens on and hats on and gloves shoved, under, you know, boots shoved underneath. So I know what it's like to be in almost that crazy of a household. <laughs> you know, let me ask you a question, just because, you know, thinking about your journey and always been a writer, but you know, maybe hadn't expressed your writing as much as what you did after you lost your husband, but also learning through that process. Is it interesting to you to see how, I mean, today is much different than 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago for people, you know, even contemplating journaling and gratitude journaling. And, and I, I feel like it's, it's kind of having its time again. You know, I mean, when I was young, I had a diary, you know, and you had your diary, you wrote in it, you might even have a little lock on it. In fact, when I read through my old diaries, they just totally make me laugh. I was in love with a new boy every five seconds, but you know, now writing in a, in a journal is so important to me and many people that I know, um, especially for working through ideas or stumbling blocks or emotions. Um, does, does it give you some hope that we're back on track maybe as a world and a society that we may use writing for more of our healing? I think if anything, the pandemic has shown us how important creativity and in, in all of its forms, I call myself a wordsmith. So that's my type of creativity. Mm-hmm. But people were turning to gardening and baking and sitting on the sidewalk and coloring messages to encourage people walking past their house. And we all instinctively turn to something that happens to have a science behind it that proves we are healthier and we are happier when we are working creativity in some way into our life and into our work and into our home. So there, I think if nothing else, this pandemic has taught us how important that is. And there are healing benefits for for anxiety and worry and whatever we're going through in creating. And mm-hmm. not only that, but science proves we were designed to create. So I mean, mm-hmm. that, that just boggles my mind when I think that all this science has shown us that what we instinctively turn to during the pandemic is something that we've needed in our life anyway. So yes, it does give me hope to see. And I figured that out after the loss of my husband when I turned to journaling, because like you, I had the diary with a little lock on as a child or a teenager. And like you, I was in love with a different boy every five minutes, but 
I didn't journal as an adult. I wrote as an adult, but I didn't journal. But I instinctively turned to journaling after my husband passed away. And so then I found healing benefits in that so much so that three months out, I thought, well, wait a minute. How do people do this? How do people grieve with, without journaling? Yeah. And so I, I, I fall down these rabbit holes of research. I researched for my book on creativity. I researched for my book on expressive writing for healing. And that's when I discovered, yes, there is research behind this and there is science behind this. It's not just something that I think it's something that has been proven to help us. You know, I, this is going to be, this is going to be such an obscure comment, <laughs> but if you've ever read the books that starts with the clan of the cave bear and the travel, you know, and it, it's such a great piece of literature. And, you know, I think about how, how it's trying to talk, you know, tell us the story about, you know, the splitting of evolution, you know, and how, uh, I don't know if they were the Neanderthals or what, but whatever, wherever we made that break where, you know, you have one humanoid species that could not adapt, could not be creative, could only deal with um, whatever structures had been placed. And then you have another humanoid, you know, uh, that is, you know, becoming creative and is learning to work the land and is learning, you know, and it's learning more science without knowing it's science versus spirit, you know, not, I don't want to say spirituality, um, but uh, what, what's kind of, I don't know what the word is I want to use. It's not, it wasn't so much spirituality as it was more just uh, habit and, you know, form. Um, and so as I see us evolve as humans, you're right. I think it was so amazing because we've been go, 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 you know, in the last 30, 40, 50 years. And then to be forced to stop that finally, I think, allowed us to come up with opportunity. I mean, the, the opportunity for, you know, new, new creation out of a pandemic, I think is massively, it's, it's just huge. It's a great opportunity as long as we tap into it. Don't get going back on that uh, treadmill too quickly. Yes. And I hope we have learned something from, because what a waste it would be if we didn't learn something from this time. Now I know, of course, there were people who were busier than ever, um, mm -hmm. our frontline workers, of course, and even, even those people had to find creative ways to deal with patients or to deal with what they've yeah. been used to doing in their, in their work. So we all did have this pause or this slowing down in our life, even me at home, working from home for a while and having to pivot things to online and figure out, figure that out. I had to figure out what that entailed and how could you pivot something on grief when there's no hugs? How do you pivot oh. something on art when there's no hands-on, there's no material? So it was a learning curve for a lot of us, but darn it, I'm bound and determined to have learned something from this and to apply it in, I took walks. I want to take more walks. I want to get out more in nature, but I, I did then, so I want to keep that part in my life. You know, it's just different things that we hopefully have learned from this time that we can apply to our work yeah. at home. I agree. One of the things that I really loved, although the first week he drove me crazy when my husband was home, like the, I'm like, what are you doing, and why do you keep coming down to my office? And then after that, you know, we we fit into this pattern. But then one of the greatest joys for me was we had lunch together every day and we'd make lunch and one person would decide what we're going to make and how we're going to make it and where we're going to eat it. And such a joy. And uh, the last couple of weeks, he's gone back to the office. Now today's Monday. So he's on Mondays and Fridays, he can work from home again, but it's like those other three days of the week, I miss him, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, once, once we were 
you know, alienated from the rest of the world and forced to be together, you know, maybe smaller family units, then you, we got to enjoy that too and find more joy in that and find ways to be creative on how to not get on each other's nerves, but also maybe to have better relationships. <laughs> and it's the same with my daughter was 16 when I was sent home to work from home and she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to, she stayed in her room most of the day. And anytime I tried to bring up something related to the pandemic, you know, it was like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. In fact, I felt the loneliest I've ever felt in my life because I was in a house with the only one of my eight children who would never hug or, you know, so it was like, why, you know, but once I started asking her if she would take hikes with me, that's where she started talking in nature. And that's yeah. something we all need to learn is there is a lot of healing in nature and getting outdoors yes. and creative ideas come to us when we're taking walks or, you know, it's just like amazing and so now she's 17 and we sit down and talk every day after work and she sometimes will make me a cup of tea before I get home from work so it it nice. strengthened that relationship too and you know that makes a lot of sense because I'm like that too when I maybe have something you know that is really bothering me or I know I have to have a difficult conversation I will go walk either before or during it because for some reason that physical moving of my body allows my mind to, it kind of like breaks down those walls that you're holding up. And so then it's, you know, it's maybe because you don't have to look eye to eye at the person or, you know, but you can just be there, you can be quiet, but there's something about that that just finally breaks down those, those barriers that we put. And it, you said earlier, and this really strikes me, you said, you know, thinking about how to help people with grief during a time where you can't even hug anybody, you're not physically able to do that. And many people lost important people in their lives during the pandemic. I think that's, it's, it proves that there's, there's more importance and need for this than ever. Yet the challenges had to be absolutely monumental to try and help people with their grieving process. So another thing that came out of the pandemic in this time is Zoom. I mean, there was a lot of us who didn't use Zoom before, and now we can reach, my workplace can reach people in Africa or England or, you know, other states who could never set foot in our building. And so we needed that human connection and we got that human connection through a screen. I mean, and so we're going to continue. We learned there's people who in the middle of the winter don't want to get outside at seven o'clock at night for a program who will do a zoom program and there's people who don't you know aren't able to leave their house so we're going to continue doing zoom programs so we learned another lesson during the pandemic too i think that's it's so important too um you know i know my mom so my mom is uh, almost 89 by the time this airs she will be 89 and she lives three thousand miles away from me and I know that one of the challenging things that she used to, I mean, really enjoyed was going to church. And so during the pandemic, she's alone. She's, you know, very isolated. Well, once churches started, you know, video to, or uh, live streaming services, not that you didn't, I mean, I remember waking up Sunday mornings looking for cartoons and I'm like, there's church, there's church. <laughs> you know, you're just flipping the channel. Wait, can I find a cartoon? It's either car- it's either church or some sort of political show on Sunday mornings at that point in time before we had 300 channels. But it was a lifeline for her to have, 
you know, to be able to watch mass and yeah, you can't have the same experiences if you're there, but you had something and there was some sort of community that, and I totally agree that I think that there's, we, we put so much emphasis on in-person interactions, which are very important, but we can learn then maybe there's a way to provide a lot of people access to things that they wouldn't have before if they couldn't go live and in person. Mm-hmm. Um- Yes, but sadly, we do need, we, I think we also learned we do need human interaction. When we first were taking off our masks and starting to do some things here, it was just like, wait a minute, I think I forgot how to internet, interact with people. I would go to reach out to hold out hand and I think, wait, is it okay to touch a hand or to give somebody a hug? Wait, is it okay to, to give a hug? It's just like, it's a very confusing time for us. And it's yeah. also considering Creativity is nothing new, right? I mean, it's something that we, as children, we were coloring all the time. If we could get a hold of finger paints, we were finger painting, but it felt like something new during the pandemic is, wait, this is, this is so healing. This is so freeing. This is, it's fun to play. We need to work play into our lives. We need to, and what happens at work when you are brainstorming in a group and it's like, whoa, all these ideas are coming just because we're doing something a little bit differently of the, the brainstorming that happens and the, the creative energy that happens when you um, start delving into your own creativity. So it's nothing new, but it felt new during the pandemic. And there's good news for all of those people out there who are daydreamers because science also proves that daydreamers are some of the most creative people. I used to get in trouble in school for daydreaming, not nobody told me, Hey, it's, it's a wonderful thing to daydream. Even as an adult, it's, um, you know, it's healthy for us to daydream. And that's what happens when you take walks too. I mean, some of that daydreaming and these imaginary scenarios in your head and these conversations you have in your head. I mean, there's a lot of creativity that goes on in solitude and mindfulness. I agree. And before we take a quick break, I'll tell you one quick story is, um, I don't know, probably a month or so into the lockdown more than a year ago. And I was doing a walking uh, meditation. And so the person was saying, you know, stop, you know, feel your feet on the sidewalk, you know, don't move yet, have a slower pace than you normally do, you know, start with your deep breaths. But then she was going on and she said, wherever you are, look in a direction that you never look because she wanted you to walk a path that you normally walk, you know, like the first time and like, look in a direction you've never looked. And so I was about halfway down my block and I just decided to look up and I looked up and to the right over where all these parked cars are, there was a hornet's nest that was the size of a, a, you know, a a yoga ball that you sit on at your desk. And I, (laughs) It did not get there that easily. I mean, maybe this was like, I don't know, a little more than a year ago or uh, maybe by the end of summer or something, but it was like, how did that get that large? And right then somebody like pulled in right there and I go, just so you know, and they looked up, they're like, what? (laughs) But those moments of things we didn't see before because we weren't looking and we weren't maybe open to um, the creativity because we were so busy being busy. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month and we'll be right back. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? 
a brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we are back with Mary Potter Kenyon. We are talking about why creativity is so important. So tell me a little bit more about your book. So called to be creative that you released in the middle of a pandemic. Tell, it sounds like you put a lot of research into this as well. Tell us a little bit about the book and, you know, what inspired you to write this book in particular? So it stemmed from having a very creative mother. So my mother raised 10 children. And so I feel like a slacker next to her with only eight. <laughs> I only had eight. Sorry, mom. (laughs) She was poor. They were, my family was very poor. And yet somehow my mother beautified our home with the things that she was making, the rag rugs, the wall hangings made out of burlap and buttons. And at the age of 41 years old, she decided she'd just carve a piece of wood. And so she picked up a kitchen knife and a piece of wood and made a very crude carving, but she honed that talent and that gift to create a home business out of wood carvings and paintings and just beautiful, beautiful things that she ended up selling also besides beautifying her home. So when she passed away and I found unpublished manuscripts underneath her bed and her words written to her children was that her greatest desire is that they would utilize their talents it kind of hit home for me. So I had been writing from home for 25 years at that point. And, but I thought I would maybe take that talent seriously after her death. And so that I sat down and wrote an outline because I thought, you know what, we all have that in us. We have something in us, something Mm -hmm. creative in us. And I was started doing some public speaking at that time to young moms And I remember asking them if they would put money into their children's talents and, oh yeah, of course they would. But then I, when I asked them about themselves, they said they didn't have time for themselves. And when I did the same kind of speech to older women in their seventies and eighties and asked them about their children's talents, of course, their children had talents. And of course they would always encourage them. And I asked about them. And the answers were heartbreaking because they either said they did not have time or it was too late for them or worse. They said they had no talents and I knew that wasn't true. So I had an example of a mother who was that kind of creative, who encouraged her children, who saw it in every single one of her children. She saw something and we do, we see it in our own children. We see it in other people, but we don't necessarily see it in ourselves. So that's kind of where the idea for the book was born. I, in 2010, wrote out just an outline of what would a book look like that would encourage everybody to discover their purpose and their passions. Mm -hmm. And then 
as after my husband passed away and I got a job as a librarian for a while and I got a job as a newspaper reporter for a while, I started to hear and see more and more people who really did not fit any time into their passions. Mm -hmm. It was all work, all work, all work. And so that's when I started delving a little bit into the science and it was years of delving into the science and the research behind creativity, because first of all, how do you define creativity? Too many of us define it as a a portrait on the wall or a painting Mm -hmm. on the wall. That's not what creativity means. And then I started interviewing some creative people, people who were working creativity into their life in between their jobs or in their job or Mm -hmm. at home. And so it was a long time coming and it actually came out during the pandemic, which was 10 years after my mother had died. Mm -hmm. And I can't how, how much it has helped so many different people who are reaching out to me saying, Hey, those activities in there, I never really looked back to my childhood because I've got activities to kind of jumpstart your creativity in there. Mm -hmm. I never really looked back to my childhood. And I remember making Barbie doll clothes, or I remember doing this and you know what, maybe I should try sewing again, even though it's been 70 years or 50 years or whatever. And so it's a book to encourage and inspire people to work creativity back into their lives. You know, I never really even thought about it because, you know, my mom like was always knitting, sewing. I mean, she used to, she knit outfits for my Barbie dolls. So she would make clothes, but she knit, like she made this like, uh, uh, like a uh, ice skating outfit with a hat and everything that she knit or crocheted or something. I don't know. And it was just fascinating to me. And she's always, you know, like to paint things and, and her sister, my aunt was, you know, incredibly, you know, talented and, you know, beautiful painter and, you know, just would, you know, create things out of clay And, you know, so it just never really occurred to me, but, um, you know, it's, you're right. People think that creativity has to be one way. I mean, part of, I I think I'm creative in a couple of ways, but one of the things that I don't know if it's people are teasing me or not, but like, I love to to follow a recipe, but then I follow the recipe to a certain point and then I got to change it. Like, I can't just do the recipe the way the recipe is. And, And somebody asked me once, they're like, why can't you just follow the recipe? And I said, because I'm too creative. (laughs) There you go. That is creative. (laughs) But I think you're right. Finding, finding joy. And it's, there's so many different ways that we can be creative, you know, gardening, um, you know, uh, the plants that we put in our backyard, the way, you know, there's so many elements and they can bring a lot of joy if we give some time and attention to them and recognize them for being gifts. And sadly, sometimes all it is, is one person told us somewhere in our life that either you can't make any money off whatever it was that you love doing mm-hmm. or worse. One person might've told, I, I've met people who were told by one teacher or one parent or one peer, you're no good at that. You know, yeah. don't, you can't write or you can't draw because you're, you're no good at it. And then years and years and years later, they still believe that one person's words and it's internalized to them so that they don't even try anymore. And I've met people who have, because something in them led them to write, they kept writing, but they never dared show anybody or they never dared submit anything. Mm -hmm. And then when I discover them through a class I'm teaching or a workshop I'm teaching and see, oh my gosh, this is 
beautiful what you've written and it's like they're they can't believe that my words and then once mm -hmm. i convince them yes this is beautiful and they maybe submit something or maybe share it yeah. they come alive and their yes. eyes light up and to think that for 50 years maybe they weren't doing what they were created to do or what they loved doing because you yeah. don't have to make money at it to to work it into your life it doesn't have to be your your main source of income but that but there's a benefit to doing it there's a benefit to making time to create creating time to create if it, if it mm -hmm. takes that much effort it's still worth the effort it's funny you say that too because uh the woman that i interviewed um her name is melody for the very first uh, segment for this month of august said for those of us who work in art as our career, it's important to make sure you make time for art that you're not paid for. And it was, you know, she said, you know, look, during the pandemic, she's, you know, she's a photographer, a filmmaker. And she said, you know, when everything dried up, I just started filming my kids, taking pictures of my kids. And she goes, and it dawned on me that I've been so spending so much time taking pictures and film of other people that I hadn't spent that much time with my own family and kids. And I loved her honesty with that because I'm like, you know, we all get that way, you know, that we, we can become so focused on one thing of, you know, this is our career or this is our job or whatever, and not just to enjoy the art within us or the creativity within us just for that in and of itself. There's something to be said for creating just for the fun of creating and yeah. for messing up once in a while, for trying yes. new things and allowing ourselves to fail, because isn't that what stops most people from even trying is well, my painting's never going to look like that painting on the wall, or my quilt is never going, the stitches are never going to look as beautiful as, as somebody who's been stitching quilts for 40 years. Well, why would it, it look the same? Exactly. You, you've done it for 40 minutes. Why would it look the same as somebody <laughs> who's done it for 40 years? <laughs> but we forgot, or we're too scared of failing or what it might look like that we forgot yeah. to just play and have fun. And we yeah. can do that in our lives. We can work that into our lives. You know, um, I, this reminds me of somebody I interviewed probably about six months ago, and this will break your heart when I tell you, except for the fact that I can tell you that they've now gotten to the other side of this. But um, I think it was a gentleman. And he said um, that when he was younger, he was uh, doing a coloring book and he worked really, really hard to make sure that he colored this page because he wanted to share it with his father when his father came home. And so he'd done, you know, an impeccable job. I mean, the kid was like five years old. And when he got home and he shared it with his dad, thinking my dad's going to be proud of me, his dad said, so you can't color outside the lines? I guess you're not creative at all. Oh, no. Oh, I know. It broke my heart. Um, but I was so proud that he shared the story because it was like such a great reminder, not just about the importance of our words, but to your point, the wounds that we carry along with us, the stories that we've told ourselves because one person said one thing but it hurt us so deeply or it, or it ashamed us or it made us feel little that we carry those on as if it's truth instead of recognizing that one person's bad words do not mean a truth for us. But man, it's hard to get past that when you've had those kind of experiences. Thank you for saying that because that is so true. We carry these lies within us and every once in a while we have to take time to figure out what's the truth, you know? And the opposite of his coloring experiences happened too. Maybe somebody wanted to color a tree pink or yeah. maybe they colored the whole background black or something just 
And then they're told that, no, you can't color outside of the lines. And that could just stop them cold <laughs> from being creative. So it, it goes both ways. And you are so right that one person's words, even as adults, that can happen to adults. It's not just our childhood wounds. We're wounded as adults when somebody says, no, you can't, or no, you shouldn't, or, you know, you tell me it a can't, and I'm going to make sure I do it. <laughs> right. And I know other people are like that too, but somebody else might think, oh, I guess I can't, I, right. I, I can't do that. Right. Absolutely. And that's, and that's where kind of you're a whole, you know, unleashing of, you know, remember you, you are called to be creative in some way, I think can really inspire people to remember not just, you know, what, what you've told us so far, but what you talked about a lot about the sciences, you know, and I wrote down, what did you say that we've been, um, that we are uh, designed to be creative. And as like we started in the beginning, you know, we do have this within us. It might look different in every other person, but I think when we remember that we can, we can embrace it as well as recognize that in other people and other situations. I love it. Well, I know that Mary, we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, including links to your books. Um, but uh, is, if somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're too impatient to look in our show notes, what's the best way for them to find you? So you can find me at marypottercanyon.com. And I'm on Instagram, which is where all the fun, creative people hang out. Mary Potter Kenyon there. And also Mary Potter Kenyon on Facebook. And as we said before, it's Kenyon with an O, not Kenyon like my Kenyon uh, team. So <laughs> I can spell. <laughs> Some days I can. I love it. Mary, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I just want your listeners to believe in themselves. I want them to believe there is something in them. I want them to start by looking back to their childhood and remember what it was that they were drawn to naturally, because that's where our secret desires lie is in our childhood before whatever um, life took that out of us and, and to believe that about themselves and start to work whatever it is that makes them feel alive, whatever it is that makes them come alive, work that into their everyday life because there's ways to work it into our life at home, at work, um, in whatever we are doing. And we will be healthier and happier for doing that. Amen. I believe it. Absolutely. Mary, thank you so much for your stories and your inspiration. I certainly um, have had a lot of great memories just pop up from talking to you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.